Welcome to the Stacking Slabs podcast. Join Brett to get the latest sports cards investment advice, hear from industry experts that are deep in the trenches, and find out when to turn left when the rest of the market is going right. Get eBay ready, get PayPal ready. Let's be students of the game and stack those slabs. All right, if you heard the episode from Wednesday, you heard an edit me jumping the gun on the NBA conversation, and it's starting this week. We all know it's not. I think this carried over to my conversation with Jordan. So just know that I know now that the NBA starts next week. Enjoy the episode. What is up, everyone? Welcome back to Stacking Slabs. This is another Friday Hobby Hustle edition, this time with Jordan, who is the sport card analytics on Instagram and on YouTube. Jordan and I have been having a lot of back and forth conversations over the course of the last several months. His insight on the hobby, his strategies are very close or similar to mine. Um, There are some cases where I will learn a lot from him just based on the way he buys and looks at trends. I talk about it a lot. I think analytics are super important to the hobby. That's really not my skill set and background. So I like to lean in other people to get their perspective who are uh, more in the weeds when it comes to analytics. And so I think that's an important part about the hobby is really building your connections in your network or your inner circle of people that you trust and you can bounce ideas off of. And Jordan has certainly uh, been one of those for me. And This episode two is being kind of dual casted. So you'll get the stacking slabs audio that will drop um, if you're listening on Friday. But this is also going to be broadcasted via video on YouTube on Jordan's channel. So go check that out. But I'll shut up. Jordan, how are you doing? Dude, I'm doing great. I'm really excited to uh, be on the podcast. I had to do the dual casting thing uh, because I have such a beautiful face. If it was just audio only, I couldn't just waste that. So it's good to be audio, but I also have the, the video on, a, on my channel for Sports Card Analytic. Uh, just really excited to talk about cards. My fiance gets, gets tired of it when I'm just talking about players and she's like, I don't know who they are. And I'm like, I know you don't know who they are. So I, I need friends to talk to about sports cards. It just, it just brightens my day. It brightens my day too. And I, we were having a conversation before we hit record. Um, Jordan is in his closet that he is in and that has all of his sports stuff. I have kind of upgraded. I guess once you get married, you, you upgrade your situation a little bit. I am in my room. You can see the wrestling figures behind me. I've got slabs everywhere. And Jordan has Baby Yoda. I've got Macho Man <laughs> Wrestling Buddy. I had this from as I was a kid. So uh, we both got those things going on. I guess first question, people who, uh, what, what kind of insights and how did Baby Yoda get so deep in the hobby? Because he seems from my perspective to be driving, you know, the content that you're delivering to the market. So I was at Target, I was looking for cards, of course, and there was no cards. I need, I need to buy something. And, uh, you know, they have uh, the signs up near the hand sanitizer, like buy one per customer. Well, I saw the sign up near the Baby Yodas and it was to buy one per customer. So I was like, man, I I could probably sell these. So I went and I looked it up and they were selling for about $20 more. So me and my fiance split up and we bought, you know, the last two. And 
I put them on eBay and they they didn't sell. Uh, so <laughs> the price just dropped. So I was like, okay, I'm going to use them in my video. People like Baby Yoda. He's adorable and ugly at the same time. I like Star Wars. I'm going to try to bring some comedy and just some yeah comedic relief, some satire to my content because I don't want to just sit here and, and I'm not going to say bore you with just sports card talk, but I want to keep you entertained and talk about sports cards at the same time, give you uh, information that I'm seeing, data that I'm seeing. I know it's a little bit different. You, you click on sports card analytics and you're like, oh, this is going to be a, a lot of like really intelligent information. This guy's going to be spitting out calculus formulas at me. And then you turn on the video and he's talking to a toy baby Yoda doll. Uh, so, <laughs> so he's here to stay. I use him as my go-to. He's wise and he's making all the investment decisions for me. I'm just here to, to speak for him because he's still, he's still only 50 years old. He's still just a little baby and he doesn't know English yet. So it's all me until he takes over. Yeah. And I think I like that about your content and your channel. And that's what drives me into people like you and the hobby to learn from is there's this sense of just having fun, not taking it too seriously. Because at the end of the day, it's a hobby, right? We should be having fun with it. And I think, you know, there's so many different types of content creators out there, some good, some bad. Obviously, at the end of the day, it's your own opinion on what you, you know, consume and who you listen to. But I guess with that, it's like when you're, there's so much out there, new hobby creators every day. We're new to the hobby. We're new to the content creation game. What are the types of things you're looking at when you're sourcing other people's opinions, um, whether it's a podcast or a YouTube channel? You know, I actually, I don't watch much content anymore. I just kind of, I have my own system where I'm learning, you know, everything myself. And I feel like it's a, it's a good system to the point where I don't, I don't need to watch other people's content. I don't need to see their top five picks and stuff like that. I, I just, I, I enjoy more talking about, uh, sports cards and learning from other people that way rather than just sitting and watching a video because I watch the sports. I know the players. Um, I do my research. I'm always you know, on my phone you know, trying to see what prospects I like. And so as far as the, the content part, I don't watch much of it, but I do get a lot of text messages from Andy, the sports card investigator. Because, so do I. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's watching absolutely everything and like it's borderline obsessive like he told me he's upset like he's obsessed with with these guys like just watching it and i'm like yeah you are um i'm glad you're watching it but yeah he'll send me videos he's like turn to this minute point this guy's an idiot and i'm just like <laughs> okay and uh yeah he sends me videos i feel like i'm losing brain cells most of the time he sent me one yesterday it was like an hour long and i was like dude look last time i listened to this guy like I went to a coma. I can't do this anymore. Like, I'm not listening to it for an hour. That's like, that's all you, man. Just give me like a, a summary of what they talked about. And I said, I'm sure they just talked in circles and circles and circles. And he's like, yeah, that's basically what they did. And I'm like, then why did you want me to watch that? <laughs> I got other things to do. So yeah, that's me with the content. It's there's some good stuff out there, but I'd much rather you know get people on my show and talk to them about sports cards rather than just watch everything out there. That's for oh. sports card investigator. Yeah, totally. And I think that is. I'm so glad Andy exists, and we have Andy in the hobby, so he can get down in the weeds and call people out on garbage that they're putting to the market because a lot of it is garbage. 
But I'm with you. Like, I don't necessarily have the time and energy. I just, I know who the bad actors are right now or have my opinion, but I'm glad. I'm very interested in Andy's channel and watching it progress because I think, you know, he's got this mentality of get on his show and become verified. That's a great challenge. So I'm glad he exists, but agree. I think from my perspective, what it all comes down to is you have to have some knowledge or passion for sports. And it seems like maybe some creators don't necessarily have that knowledge or passion for sports. I think you and I obviously both do. We are, we both live in cities with major sports markets. We've been fans for, of our hometown teams for probably our whole existence. Um, Maybe talk to me about just, and I know you're kind of like me. You've got that one championship with that, from that one mega star that kind of brought it to you. And a lot of the others have been maybe hard or difficult years. Maybe talk to me about what it's been like for you growing up as a Cleveland sports fan. And then how has that influenced kind of you and the hobby? Well, first of all, we, we still count the uh, 1964 <laughs> Cleveland Browns uh, champion. It wasn't a Super Bowl. It was actually the year before the Super Bowl. The Browns won the championship. So stop with the Browns never been to the Super Bowl jokes. They won the championship before Super Bowl won. So at least give us that. We had Jim Brown. He retired at 26. You know, we would have won the Super Bowl one. Yeah, so it, there's one championship in my lifetime. But uh, we, yeah, we also have 1948 Cleveland Indians World Series. So <laughs> really vintage, right? <laughs> right. But yeah, as far as, as me just growing up, like the Browns left town and uh, in 1995, I was a little baby. But growing up through, uh, through 1999, before they were there, I was growing up in uh, Charlotte and everyone was Panthers fans. But my parents, they just still put brown stuff, like brown shirts on me. And uh, kids would ask me in school, like, what team is that? And I'm like, I don't know. I have never seen them play. Like, they, they don't exist. But that's my favorite team. So I was cheering for the Browns when they didn't exist. The Indians were there in the 90s. They were doing great. They lost all those World Series in a heartbreak fashion. And then, you know, even as a child, I was, my heart was breaking. And can I ask you a question about that? I think it was the night that 96 Indians team that was absolutely just loaded with talent. I think any kid, me growing up, I, you know, play King Griffey Jr. baseball or whatever. And I always picked them because they, they were just loaded with just Jim Tomei to, Manny, Pedro Martinez, right? The list goes on, right? Right. Yeah, I was a huge Jim Tomey fan. As a, as a kid, I wanted to bat fifth in the lineup. I wanted to wear number 25 just like him. Like, he was my favorite player. Uh, my dad actually is this crazy story. He, he grew up playing a pickup football with one of the Dolans, who mm-hmm. the, his dad owned the Cleveland Indians now, and um, his uncle owns the New York Knicks. So, yeah, we would just send him up autograph or cards all the time and he'd get them autographed by, by all the players. And as a child, I wrote this like love letter to Jim Tomey and he never wrote back. And it just to this day, I'm just just waiting for a response from that letter from Jim. <laughs> if you're listening to this, uh, Jim Tomey, which I really hope you are, you know, maybe check your mail or something. It's probably still in there. <laughs> so. Come on, Jim. <laughs> so you obviously with the Cleveland fandom, you you get LeBron, you know, you you're all in. Obviously, I think everybody was all in on the Cavs, even outside of 
Ohio, um, just watching this kid grow. What kind of influence did LeBron have just in your fandom of Cleveland sports and then maybe take that into your, your, in the cards? Dude, he was my hero. I was 12 years old. He was my hero. I have a card right next to me of a, a rookie card. Uh, it's the Upper Deck MVP. It's worth uh, $1,500 as a PSA 10. I don't have it graded. I don't have it graded because I was trying to get it autographed by LeBron when he came to Charlotte and he just walked by me which was really sad, but I'm still hoping to get it signed by him. So I'm not going to put it in a slab. I know even as a 12 year old, I was thinking about the condition of the card while I was waiting for an autograph. I was like, I need to keep this in a good condition. So I've been collecting LeBron cards for 17 years, his entire career. I would always look for just giant lots of LeBrons and you know, as a 12-year-old, you like to have a lot of stuff and you don't, you don't care about the quality. Like you're happy with 500 slices of cake. You don't want just that one awesome, like high quality, you know, ingredients. So I don't have any tops chromes or anything like that because I didn't know as a kid, you know, those are going to be what, what's worth a lot. Throughout my entire collecting of LeBron James, I had the mindset of I'm going to hold on to these. I'm investing in these, you know, as a 12-year-old. and and even through college, my friends were like, oh, that's Jordan. He's, he's going to be trying to sell stuff. He's going to be trying to flip stuff. Like I've always been that guy. So I say I've been doing this seriously for, for three years uh, when I started getting in the breaks and stuff. But really, I've been doing this seriously since LeBron James came into the league for 17 years. Yeah, and I think that's cool. And I think it's fun when a player of LeBron's stature can help drive you into the hobby and you can say you've been collecting LeBron um, since the jump. I think you hear a lot of people on shows, everyone has their breaks and everyone regrets like taking a break when LeBron was a rookie because people obviously don't have those cards. I, I am the same way. I am in the mode where LeBron has ripped my heart out as a Pacers fan, like his whole career. However, somehow I'm still obsessed with him just because I've never seen and this is no slide on MJ. MJ is MJ and we all know that. But LeBron and just the maturity I had as a sports fan, he's about I think he's a year older than me. So we about graduated the same time and I've just been watching this kid grow up and just mesmerized by the way he approaches the game. And even if he has ripped my heart out so many times, he's one of those guys you gotta stop everything and watch. And I think for me it's expensive to get into the LeBron game at this point. So I am trying to pick and choose my spots. And for me, not necessarily affordable, but a way to approach it right now is to try to find some nice Lakers cards that he has thinking that they might kind of win the championship this year. What are your thoughts just in general on like, I guess the playoffs, I guess as this launches, the NBA will be back, which is kind of insane to think about. What are you looking for just in terms of, the playoffs, who are you excited about? What are you excited to watch? Um, I'm, a, I'm excited to see uh, people just dribble a basketball. <laughs> <laughs> so, but as far as the playoffs, it's really, it's really difficult when you don't have your team in the playoffs uh, to root for. So it's, I'm kind of just sitting, you know, just like outside of the stadium while everyone's having fun inside the stadium. So I, I can't like put my heart into it. But there are good teams on, on both ends. And I've talked about this um, in one of my videos. I really like Kawhi Leonard. And I don't know why people keep sleeping on this guy. He's, he won a championship with the Spurs. You've got finals MVP. 
he goes over to Canada of all places and wins the championship in one year and gets finals MVP. And now he's over at a different team and we're still just like, oh, Lakers, LeBron James. Well, guys, LeBron James is getting old. Kawhi Leonard's still there. He shuts LeBron down whenever he plays against him. Like it's, I put my money, I'm putting my money on Kawhi Leonard. I'm not going to bet against this guy. I'm not sleeping on him. I, I do I do believe investing in his uh, his rookie cards and also cards with him in Clippers uniforms. I think people are starting to realize the potential of his legacy. Like if he gets to three championships, he ties LeBron. If he you know gets four, he beats LeBron, and he's only twenty seven years old. So it's it's crazy. Yeah, and I think man, Kawhi Leonard is he's a case study in in of himself, and I think. Obviously, the Clippers could win the championship this year, and people, I think, are sleeping on Kawhi Leonard. But from your perspective, it seems to me that people haven't gravitated to him or his cards because his personality type may be off the court, right? I think now he's endorsed by New Balance, which I think that's a great fit for him just in his brand. But what do you make of just Kawhi or other guys that might not be swaggy or flashy or you know, hitting social media hard, where are they? Like, to me, the on the court stuff, like, is paramount over all of that crap. And if a guy is, like, winning championships every, no matter the situation, every time he steps on the floor, that's a guy who the whole market should be buying and obsessing over. Am I wrong? Right. So this is where analytics are great, because numbers, they don't tell you someone's personality. They're going to tell you what they're doing on the court. They're going to tell you where their prices are at, what they've gone up, they've gone down. That's going to tell you the story. And when I see their numbers on the court are massive and the prices are down, then I, you know, I see a gap of where the, the stats, the performance is going to start pulling the prices up. So that's where I use analytics and just looking at pricing, looking at their stats and, and trying to predict the future based off history because they say history repeats itself and you can find that in numbers. So I'm not saying that guys being quiet are going to like they're going to their prices should be higher. But, you know, personality does matter. But analytics lets you see the big picture and then you can start applying their personality and other things you see on the court. I don't think it's his personality that really hurts him. I think it's what he did in San Antonio where he allegedly just sat out. So that's pretty big. You know, you want you want to invest in guys who have that drive, that mentality. Like Giannis, he, he's just like killer instinct. He doesn't work out with any other players in the NBA. They asked him why he doesn't. He's like, that's my competition. Why would I work out with while you got guys like LeBron budding up with everyone? So yeah, personality definitely, if uh, it, it affects prices, but uh, analytics help you see the big picture. Yeah, and I like that just about your perspective on just analytics. I think at the end of the day, that's what matters most. The thing that I find interesting about your process is what I've gathered from our interactions is what you try to do is you try to find when a player's cards are, that you believe in, that you've done the research and homework on that you think is going to be a good buy, you try to anticipate and predict when those cards are hitting the floor. And then what you try to do is buy those cards up in quantity and then maybe send them to PSA or BGS and then never see them again. I'm just kidding. They'll eventually come back. But that seems to me your process. Can you maybe talk about first, is that is that approach 
accurate to what you do? And if so, how do you go about doing that with research and analytics on your side? No, that's pretty on point with, with what I do. I, I like to find the floor because, I mean, who doesn't want to buy a card at its lowest price that it's, it's ever at? So what I like to do is look at the history. Uh, when you got new cards coming out in the very beginning of the season, it's really difficult to use uh, historic data for that same player and how it worked out. So I had to observe the way Prism worked out with Zion and, and some other players and where their price point started at, where it ended at. And I started applying that to other products that are just like it, where you have retail and hobby and you know all these other ones coming out whereas you know things like select is just hobby so you're not as much volume so i I applied prism to optic i was able to predict the floor for zion and all the other players based off off that information from prism and then i applied that over to mosaic and it worked too so i was able to just scoop up all these cards when i felt it was hitting the floor and if even if it went a little bit below, I was just buying up a bunch of them. And um, I like I have some uh, Zion NBA do, debut mosaics. Um, I bought for like twelve bucks, and <laughs> in a couple of days they were back up to like twenty twenty five. So it's analytics and historical data can definitely help you to predict the future. It won't always be right, but it's helpful to kind of give you that picture of what you're looking for. Do you have any advice or just something quick and easy? And it doesn't need to be your whole process, but things that people can be doing to maybe start predicting the floor of certain cards like you did with the Zion NBA debut for 12 bucks. Well, see, I, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm an analytics consultant, so I do work with numbers a lot. I just wanted to apply it to sports cards. Mm. I would say just if you feel like something is being overlooked or undervalued, based off of the product and maybe other products that are higher up, like maybe that card is a good buy. Maybe it is near its floor. If you think it's being undervalued, you know, trust your, trust your gut. And if you look at, you know, the charts, maybe they, they correlate with each other. And I know some people don't think the way I do just logically with the numbers all the time. So just if you feel like something's being undervalued, it might be a good time to go grab it. All right. Who is somebody right now in NBA? Who's someone who's overvalued and who is someone who is undervalued from your perspective? Oh, man. So I've been talking a lot with Andy and uh, he really hates Marvin Bagley. And he, <laughs> yes, I, I've got that. He's had me look into some of the numbers and I found like his, uh, his base prism was up 0% in three months. And his silver had gone up like, like 40, 50 bucks. So I, I don't know what this guy has done to get that. I know he was drafted high in a top five. So people say, oh, he's top five. That means he has potential. He should be a good buy. But he hasn't done anything. Like he hasn't shown any you know, potential. So I think he's definitely overrated right now. If I had Bagley's, I would just sell them all and use that money for other cards. A guy who's been overlooked Ever since he came to the league, because he's tied to Luka Doncic, is Trey Young. He just all of last year, when I was looking at Trey Young prices compared to Luka prices, it was it was insane. Like uh, his uh, silver prism silver was down to twenty dollars. You could get Trey Young. I've got Trey Young prisms. I got for a dollar a piece, and <laughs> it's it's crazy. 
and he continues to be overlooked even into this year. And I, I also think players from this draft who are being overlooked because of Zion's hype, John Morant's got this hype. Now we look at the top five and say, who here is being overlooked? Who could I buy right now? And I see RJ Barrett there with a lot of potential. I know he hasn't been great in New York. But who is? <laughs> right, right. But he definitely has, has potential. You know, you look in the top 10, I see Darius Garland with Cleveland. He's got range for days. He even admitted to being uncomfortable this year. He was just, he didn't feel, you know, himself. And uh, Trey Young said during the offseason, he said, games slowed down so much from year one to year Mm -hmm. two. And I think that's going to happen for a lot of these guys who just seem like they haven't reached their potential yet or in that direction yet. Like RJ Barrett, Darius Garland, Cam Reddish, all these guys, I think during the offseason when they can work on what their weaknesses were during that season, next year we're going to see big gains with those guys. So I know there's a lot more players than what you had asked for, but (laughs) this is just my way of thinking. No, that's good. And I think most people anyways, you know, there's a lot to talk about, but most people want to hear about the players and cards in general. I will say on the episode that I'm dropping on Wednesday, I talk about how I was late on Trey Young and how now is a time that, you know, he's not in the bubble there. That attention might not be completely on Trey Young. So now might be a good time to monitor and buy his cards. I think my opinion on Trey Young is that I sat five rows up in Bankers Life Fieldhouse, thought he was all hype. My buddy was on him in my fantasy league talking about how great he was. I saw his numbers. I was like, Hawks are trash, blah, blah, blah. I saw the kid put up 49 points like it was nothing. And so that, from my perspective, that was the moment where I said, okay, this kid's got something. So now I'm going back. My focus is not on the players in the bubble, but my focus right now is players outside of the bubble. And Trey Young is one of those guys that I think I found a lot, which it's crazy. You're talking about buying them for $1. I found a lot on eBay, three optics. They were like 22 bucks a piece. So I just bought all three. And so I am trying to play catch up on Trey Young right now. But I think people don't want to, don't talk about this, but he's not necessarily going to be in Atlanta forever. And I know Atlanta's got a lot of young talent and they're surrounding them and people are going to be on their second year and people will be healthy and they could be a playoff team next year. But also like Trey Young could play out of Atlanta and go hit another market. So I think the kid's not going to stop scoring the basketball. And that to me is something that translates into hobby gains and growth. Well, I, I feel really good that you, you're paying $22 now for a Trey Young optic. Because I got a whole lot of them, like a literal lot of a hundred of them for a hundred dollars a year ago. So those were a dollar a piece as well. Uh, <laughs> I haven't really checked on the prices lately, but uh, it's good to hear they're up to, you know, I'm up 20, 22 X on those. They're, they're actually, so I bought those because they're actually like raw, like most of them were 40, 45. And oh, wow. so I found someone who just recently posted and that's a, Something I like to do, I was telling, talking to my brother about this, but I search lots and I search it by recently posted because people just don't really know what they're posting sometimes. And so someone just posted that and I grabbed it right away because it was under market value. But yeah, his prices are only good. That's the other thing is like, I think guys, I'm jealous of not being in the hobby last year because I would be all over Luca and Trey just based on watching basketball. But that's something I think people in the hobby get scared of. 
and they're like, oh, Lucas prices or Trace prices are too high. My perspective is, is like, go ahead and go buy because there's probably no chance that Luca or Trey are going down. So it's either kind of get on the train or watch it blow you by. Do you have any thoughts on that? Well, demand, demand is rising and this is a, it's simple economics. You know, when demand is rising, it's either one of two things happens. You either increase the price of it or you increase the quantity of it. And I mean, they're not producing anymore right now. So the price is going to naturally go up with the demand. This is the same reason why there was a junk wax era. When demand rose, instead of re- raising the price like Panini's doing right now, raised up the, the quantity of it. And they just kept making more to match the demand to where everything was worth nothing. So it's good to see that demand is causing prices to go up and not Panini make more and more mm-hmm. and more and more and more. So if, if a price is where it's at, that's where someone's willing to pay. I'm not going to argue that that's too high. I did see the prices last year and it just blows my mind where they are right now. Uh, I can't go and buy a hobby box over at the local card shop. It's way too much now, but that's fine because that just tells me there's new money in the hobby and I'm okay with that. There's new money. There's going hopefully continual money coming into the hobby, which is going to raise the prices and values of cards, especially within the, the last few years. I feel like 2018, 19, products in 2019, 20 products are much more valuable because that's when everyone started coming in. People familiarize, I can't even say that word, (laughs) (laughs) with Luca and Zion. You don't see, you don't hear people talk about like Jason Tatum second year cards or anything like that. They talk about Luca second year cards. They're going to be talking about Luca third year cards. They're going to talk about Zion second year cards next year. You don't hear Jason Tatum. So I think the hobby's growing up from 2018 and, and on. So I know it's a, a lot longer answer than what you're, yeah. you're asking. <laughs> no, and I, I think that's a take I think I've heard you talk about a lot that is super interesting. You had the perspective that people are growing with the hobby and it's not necessarily through Zion, but it's through Luca. And I think, you know, there's definitely both sides of the equation, but I agree there's so much interest and demand on Luca that Yes, people are buying up his second year cards now. So, you know, his third year, like, are people going to stop collecting Luca? No, people are going to be buying them up. Like, for me, I'm looking at Luca's second year, some of the serial numbered stuff in the second year now, just because I think prices are good. So, I think that's something everyone should be looking at and taking note of. And I, I agree. I think those Luca, the PSA 10 Luca and PSA 10 Zion base cards, those are set to be iconic cards. Like I think those, this is ushering in a new era. So those are the types of cards that we should all be, maybe if we want to make a big buy or two, those, those seem to be pretty steady investment. Yeah. And you see it with football too. Like I bought some Patrick Mahomes third year Prism Silvers uh, for like 30 bucks. And last I saw they were, they've already doubled. So it looks like Patrick Mahomes is carrying football and uh, I, I've noticed the, the newer crowd has gravitated towards basketball because it seems to be the easiest uh, when you get started investing. You know a lot more players. The rosters are a lot smaller than football teams and baseball teams. But I feel like the, the hobby is going to start, you know, getting more into football as we get in the football season and then hopefully get into baseball, even though it's a lot more difficult type of investment strategy. And, and these are just things that people have to learn as they, as they grow and not just dive into it by listening to someone's picks. I hope the, the hobby gets more educated and just stops following 
people's picks, especially paying for them. It's okay to listen to picks, but don't pay for them. I, that's they don't. No one else out there has any information that you can't get for free. There, no one out there has any eBay comps that you can't get for free. Like it's all out there. It's all public information. You can learn it yourself. Just, just don't pay for it. Yeah, I like to like my measuring stick is yeah, I agree. Double stamp that don't pay for picks. But when I'm consuming content and listening to it and I know that they pay for picks, I just think to myself, if this guy or gal sat down at a table with me and talked sports, could they hold their own? And a lot of the time I'm like, I don't think they could hold their own. So why are people paying for the picks? And I think there's just things if you're really listening or really watching and want to be cautious, there's things you can pick up on some content creators. But anyways, going back to football, because I want to hit on that topic, I think my mindset has been with that, there's been growth in the hobby. There's going to be more people focused on football probably than ever before. This rookie class is eight quarterbacks. It's a quarterback-driven market. People are going to want to be getting those quarterbacks with new products. Mosaic is coming out in NFL form for the first time. I wonder why. Probably because Panini's making hand over fist on the NBA product. The set looks about the same. I will be buying it. But my perspective is that with all the new people in, I've gotten so many questions on why aren't running backs or why aren't receivers, why don't they hold the same value? And for me, I think it's just, that's just how the market has worked. However, I've been talking a lot about, I think there's a lot of opportunities outside of just the quarterback position. Do you have any thoughts on just the market expanding with NFL, NFL starting and just... Do you think that maybe the receiver or running back position might see a little bump in interest? Yeah, I do really like your take from past uh, episodes where you, you're talking about more daily fantasy people getting into sports card investing, which would make them want to go buy those skill position players, which makes a lot of sense to me. But the way I see football is, yes, the quarterback cards are worth more, but if you can tell me I, I can buy a, like a Nick Chubb rookie card for $5, and it, it's up $10 in a couple of weeks, or I can buy a Kyler Murray rookie card for $20 and then it's up, or no, uh, for $200 and then it's up $20. Like the, the percentage gains there is higher for the running back. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't look at, you know, just the face value. I look at what's the percentage gain I can get from these cards. And I do think the skill position players are, are getting more percentage gains in quarterbacks just because they're at that lower buy-in and so there's nowhere but up whereas quarterbacks you already have that really high price so the percentage it takes a lot longer to become a big percentage yeah and I think before we got on the call I've been pretty set on the receivers that I like in the situations and been very public about it whether it's Hollywood Brown DK Metcalf DeAndre Hopkins those are guys that I'm actively buying. And I've been less focused on the running back position just because it's a little more difficult for me. But hell, like I was looking at before we jumped on, I was looking at Marlon Mack Silver Prism rookie cards, and they're like five bucks a piece. And I'm thinking to myself, Marlon Mack, obviously people aren't going to be buying him because the Colts drafted Jonathan Taylor, but this kid rushed for a thousand yards last year. He had eight touchdowns. He's got arguably the best offensive line in the league. He's going to be splitting carries, but the Colts are going to be running the piss out of the ball. And I just think about that, like, especially as a fan, it's like, why wouldn't I buy like five of these cards for $25 and just see? And so I think 
that's the fun part about just the NFL and the card market just in general is I, I think there's opportunities to attach yourself with players you sit and literally watch and invest your time in every week. And it might not be in a position like a running back that hasn't seen a lot of focus in the past. Do you find yourself gravitating towards players that you watch regularly and spending money on their cards? Well, I mean, with with being a Cleveland Browns fan, I do watch them a lot, and they do have all those offensive weapons. Um, so I am a little biased, but I I do like a lot of the players uh, the Cleveland Browns have at skill positions. I'm not out there buying uh, Odell Beckham rookie cards just because he's in a Giants jersey and it's ugly. But I do like guys like Nick Chubb and guys. Uh, the rookies coming in this year at the running back position are very talented guys. Like J.K. Dobbins at Ohio State, amazing. He's kind of, he reminds me of Ezekiel Elliott. And he just has that boom, you know, talent to him to where he can take it 80 yards. So people are going to see that. And I think with this new market, it's so reactionary that when play starts this year and they see, you know, Nick Chubb, J.K. Dobbins, Jonathan Taylor, they see these guys take 180 yards, they're going straight to eBay. And they're yeah. going to end up. Another example is a guy for baseball. His name is uh, Luis Robert. Mm-hmm. In an inter-team scrimmage yesterday, he hit two home runs. And I checked his prices. His base card was $15, and now it's $20. He hit two home runs in a, in a scrimmage. So we're, we're in a new territory to where when a guy's name is on Twitter, it's everywhere. It's trending on Twitter. It's all over SportsCenter. People are going straight to eBay and they're buying it up and they're they're not even thinking twice about it. So I do think the skill position players are, like you say, going to be the guys dancing in the end zone and people are going to want to buy them. So I'm not saying they they should be worth as much as quarterbacks, but the percentage gain potential is huge for them. Totally. And I think like Luis Roberts, an interesting one. I listen to a lot of podcasts and I'm the first to admit I'm not the number one baseball guy, but he seems to be an area of focus. And that's funny that two home runs in the scrimmage caused his card to bump. That's, the way, that's where we're at right now. And I think something I like to talk about is just being proactive with how we, you approach the hobby, because I agree with you. It seems like a majority is reactive commentary, whether it's email say, sales data, or, hey, this documentary is coming out. Let's go talk about these cards. But I think it's on all of us that we all have the ability to be proactive. We just need to dig in and study the players, study their situations, study like Marlon Mack. Look at his offensive line. He's got like a beast of an offensive line. They're, look at what the, how the Colts call their plays. Look at the system and know that he's going to get X amount of carries. It's going to lead to X amount of yards. And upside, he'll have. 12 to 13 touchdowns, the floor six to seven. So I think, you know, it's all across all sports. It's across all teams cards. It's like, you just need to like sink your teeth in a little bit and do some homework because to me, like with players and especially like second year guys, it becomes a lot more clear when you're looking into the situation and digging in. And that's like how I feel and why I'm so passionate about DK Metcalf. It's just like, if you, if you looked at his numbers, in the last eight games of the season, looked at the competition who he had been going up against all season. And then like exclamation point, look at what he did in the Eagles playoff game, completely dominated the game. And then look at who his quarterback is, Russell Wilson, like barring injury, this guy is going to have a monster year. I think his cards are, were underpriced at the time. So it's like, 
I think just doing some homework, studying players. And to me, it all ties back to, you got to be a fan of it because to me, like the people talk about research being boring, but to me, it's fun because it's like, I'm starting to build relationships with these players and getting to understand their situation. And hell, we might even have sports come back on where we can actually watch them play. Do you, when you're picking and choosing guys to invest in, do you kind of have a similar process where you're digging into like contract, you're digging into their situation, coaches, all that stuff? Well, see, I think people, when they hear the word research, they automatically go back to their high school days or college days to where it's boring. (laughs) But this what makes the hobby so fun is diving in to watching a guy's uh, film. I like to watch a guy play. I don't go straight to highlight tapes because I'm going to see him do everything good. I like to look up the player's name and then uh, strengths and weaknesses. I, I want to see someone break down what he's really good at and what he needs to work on. I also like their mentality. Like I was looking up uh, Luka Simonic uh, recently. And they said he's so talented. He knows like he's good on the defensive end, offensive end, but his weakness was his mentality. He seems bored on the court. And I don't want to invest in a guy who doesn't care about, you know, his occupation. So like I like to look at guys who have that killer instinct, who have the the natural born talent. Maybe a guy like Cam Reddish who just has it all and he just he needs that mentality to really just push him to the next level. Also with research, you know, we talked about fantasy. People don't even notice they're doing research on players uh, for cards. But when you're playing fantasy, you're looking at their, their stats, their projected stats. You're looking at all these things at once. And I'm that guy in the fantasy league that makes like 100 transactions. Like I'm always just picking up players, just trying to find someone that's, that's going to be hot. I'm looking at their matchups and everything. So that's all research and it's fun. I, I don't know why people would say it's boring. If you think research is boring, then you think this hobby is boring. You can sell me your cards. I'm in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, so <laughs> just reach out to me on Instagram. Yeah, no, I'm with you. It, to me, it's part of the fun. And Lucas Simonic, it's funny you mentioned that. Early on when I got back into cards, he was one of those guys that I was studying but read some similar reports and backed away because I was like, oh, European, oh, Spurs, oh, yeah, he's not playing now, no brainer, his cards are cheap. But yeah, I think like, I don't know, one of the things I like to do a lot of is go follow the beat writers and go get on the message boards of those teams and hear how, what the fans are talking about. And to me, that's a good validator of who I should be looking at or not. I don't let it drive my decisions, but I think the more information, the better, especially from, I mean, I watch sports, but I don't sit around and watch every minute of every game, but there are people that do because they're fans of the team. So I think we all in the hobby should try to, even if they're not in cards, just try to lean on those opinions because they're probably more informed than yours or mine. Right. And I do like to go to live games. I think that's huge to see a guy just random game he could have an awesome game you've already read about him you've already done your research but go see him live if you're able to I know we can't right now but a lot of my my baseball investments we have a triple a team in Charlotte it's actually the uh the highest attended triple a team or minor league team there is they have uh they have more attendance than some major league teams Uh, so I I saw Luis Robert play all year last year and I was like I got to get some of this guy's cards. When people find out about him, he's going to blow up. And all it took was a scrimmage. I've seen uh, Eloy Jimenez, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. All these guys come through and I've read about them. 
And guys like Vladimir Guerrero Jr. just struck out the entire game. I was like, okay, well, I'm not really into to this guy then. And all last year, his rookie year, he didn't play that well. And it just, I'm not saying I'm based it off of one game, but go see them live. And uh, maybe, you know, you can, if you've played a sport before, whatever made you, you know, good at it or bad at it, you can see that in, in, these, in these players, like the, if they're, if baseball, if they're swinging at strikes that are out of the strike zone, maybe, you know, he doesn't have that plate discipline. And basketball, if they're making passes through difficult lanes, like that's low basketball IQ, like you notice all these things and uh, you can apply that to your sports card investing. Yeah, I think that's when you're talking about that one guy immediately, I, he played in the division, I'm a season ticket holder, but just that's how I felt about DeAndre Hopkins from the jump. It's like, just sitting there and watching him live like he is a freak of nature and I the way he plays the receiver position with his physicality finesse his hands all those little things like I mean it it only takes you so many times to watch this guy torch you to finally be like man this guy is legit and I think I'm happy he's not in my division anymore but now watching him translate to the Arizona offense under Cliff Kingsbury with the hobby's number one hype guy on the NFL side, Kyler Murray. I think there's opportunities there, but I, I we can't do it now, but that's for anybody. Go go to a AAA game, go see your NFL team play, go to see another NFL team or NBA game, seeing those players live. That's something I haven't thought about, but completely agree. It's a good way to get that deep insight on how their skills and how it translates. I do want to talk about one point. When you talk about Hopkins and the hype when he goes, you know, to Arizona, I've noticed with this market, people will buy a player and raise their prices up to where they would be if they already, if they reach that potential. So it's kind of difficult in this market because as soon as you hear news like that, you hear the Cam Newton news, uh, people go and buy up all their cards and it's like he already did something. It's like he already won a Super Bowl and it makes no sense. So uh, I'm just trying to say, just stay away from, from the hype. And if you want to buy on the potential of, of a player, it's good to buy there. But if his prices have already shot up like he's done it, then maybe it's not a good buy at that yeah. point. Yeah, I think that's good. And I think I'm going to throw this out, out to you and see what you think. But to me, I'd say like 75% of the content is about like these hype players or go buy these players. And it's almost like if I hear someone on a big platform talking about these guys, it's typically it's in reaction to eBay sales transaction data. And if they're talking about it, I'm going to be nowhere even close to it. Is that like people with big platforms who are talking about guys, is that, do you have the same mentality? It's like, stay away if people are talking about them now because everyone's just going to go run and start buying them up. I mean, I don't watch many of those guys. Like I said earlier, I just watch the numbers and the data and see if it goes up. If a guy's hyping him up and and it goes up, I'll notice that in the numbers. I won't know that he's hyping him up. I just see the numbers go up and I'm like, well, what's going on here? But if there's a player I'm watching and the prices just stay down, I know they're not being hyped up. And I know I, I can, that's the time to buy. So I do like to watch just the trends and the graphs and the numbers and not really listen. I just kind of block all that out when it comes to buying and investing and, and selling. Yep. I think that's good. All right. So like rounding to rounding third to home right now, maybe give me who is somebody in the NBA and in the NFL and MLB that you are about to pull the trigger on 
are you're thinking about pulling the trigger on or in the process of buying some of their cars because you just like the upside? Well, I'm always buying Cam Reddish. I do like just his potential. He was at Duke behind the number one and number three pick. So I, I feel like he didn't, he wasn't able to show off his skills. I do think if he was at Duke by himself and uh, Zion and, and RJ Barrett were in a different draft, he would have been able to show enough to be the number one overall pick over John Morant. I know that people can hate on that if they want to. That's fine. I don't care. That's just my opinion. He's just very talented. I and uh, I like his I like his shooting stroke. As weird as that sounds, like it's just so smooth. And uh, he's got the size. He's six eight. Uh, he just needs to put on muscle. Because I remember LeBron. I compare a lot of guys to LeBron his rookie year because you know I watched him his entire career, and he was skinny and he could just leap out of the building. And all he needed to do was add that muscle like he did. And I think with the new age training, strength and training, guys can do that. I know Andrew Wiggins wasn't able to, but I do like Cam Reddish. Um, I'm always buying him. A guy I do like for the, for the NBA, I guess a product I like, I've been buying Mosaic. Mm-hmm. And ever since I saw them hit their floors and I started buying them up, it has gone up um, quite a bit. Like while they're in the mail, it's always nice when you buy a card and when it's, you receive it, it's already gone up like, you know, double. So, you know, the people want to want you to return it at that point. Yeah. When it comes to the football, I know this might sound a little biased, but I really do like Baker Mayfield. And it's not just because he's on the Cleveland Browns. I really like the coach they brought in. Kevin Stefanski runs a zone running scheme, which bases the passing off play action. So when you have, Nick Chubb, one of the best running backs in the league, Kareem Hunt running the ball, and that's setting up the passing. I think Baker Mayfield's going to throw a lot less than he did last year, but a lot more successfully. So I really do like him as an investment. And if you're listening to this and you didn't know that 2018 Prism, the Silvers were very underprinted. It's very difficult to find a Lamar Jackson silver out there, Nick Chubb silver, Baker Mayfield silver. Like I tried to buy one and I just can't find one. Can I ask a question about that? Yeah, go ahead. So the one thing I've noticed, and I have not gotten a good read on this, and I know they're low, low quantity, but the other thing too with Jackson's Prism Silver, that it's hard to find tens. A lot of them are grading nines. Do you know if that's the same with Baker? Is that the same case? It's hard to get a 10 on him? It's the same set. It's that design. The design, the way the uh, indentations of the, uh, I don't know what's called, the foil on the top, it kind of like perforates like into Mm. bubbles. And I think that does, that hurts the surface a lot. And it was the same thing with basketball. So I'm really surprised there's so many Luka PSA 10s because they they let it go. Maybe the silver kind of shows it a lot more. Mm. And yeah, it's just there's not, there's not many of those, those Lamar Jacksons. I was selling a bunch of silvers that year and people would send them back and and say, it's these bubbles. Like, I don't like the bubbles. And I'm like, look, it came straight from the pack. So, and it's just the way it was manufactured. So I think it's a way with the printing for Panini on that set. Yeah. So I watch Baker Mayfield a lot. I watch almost every football game I try to. And two years ago, we saw the, that number one pick come through the way he was, there's a lot to like. And then obviously he had the dip in year two and with all the surrounding talent, I think the expectations were really high, but a lot of positive things came out of Cleveland. I think Nick Chubb is a monster. I think it's big. 
I talk about this a lot and I haven't talked about it on the podcast, but I think with quarterbacks in general, you've got guys like Brady, Mahomes, and Breeze that doesn't matter the situation or the scheme, you can throw them in and they're going to be like the Aaron Rodgers, they're going to be like the best quarterback and it doesn't matter the system they're in. But a majority of these quarterbacks, especially young ones, the system matters a lot. And I look at the situation in Chicago. Everyone wants to call Mitch Trubisky a train wreck and a horrible pick or whatever. Well, let's look at the scenario. The front office gave up all of these picks for the kid. And then they put the kid in the wrong system that doesn't even play to his strengths. And then they bring in a quarterback to compete. So they're basically pushing him out of town. And it's all because of the front office and the coaching staff not putting up these kids to win. And I feel like that's kind of what happened with Baker under Freddie Kitchens. Do you think with Baker, the system matters a lot? And based on the system that he's entering is one of those things, situations where he's going to start thriving more? Well, at, at Oklahoma, when he whooped Ohio State and put that flag in the middle of our field, he was running the, the run pass option, the RPO. That's what he's really good at um, under Lincoln Riley where he, can, he has a decision to run the ball and hand it off, or he's watching a, a receiver run a route and he can pull it, pass it. Freddie Kitchens wasn't doing that, and Freddie Kitchens wasn't very smart. He was trying to just make up plays. Like, you would see, like, double reverses. It'd be, like, second and one. Like, we just had a really good run. Nick Chubb just ran it nine yards, and now he's doing a double reverse, flipping it back, trying to pass it, and... Now suddenly it's, you know, third and 15. You know, like, thanks, Freddie Kitchens. And he would do it over and over and over and over again. So I think Freddie Kitchens was a little in over his head. And this new coach, Kevin Stefanski, coming over from the Minnesota, Minnesota Vikings, he just seemed a lot more calm. He's from an Ivy League school. He just seems a lot more smarter. And he knows he has these running backs. He has a good offensive line. And he's, he wants to base the game off that, which I think is going to really help Baker Mayfield and his receivers on the outside, Odell and Jarvis Landry, is going to be huge. And then they they lucked out and got a Donovan Peoples-Jones, even though he went to that school up north. That I don't <laughs> like to say their name, but <laughs> I think he could definitely turn into a good player for the Browns, that third, third option. And yeah, he was like a five-star recruit and he just didn't do anything at that team because that team up north isn't very good. Oh, I love it. Um <laughs> All right, final stretch here, and I was talking to you, and I'm going to just do a quick rapid fire, and you're going to tell me what you would do if you had these cards, just because we had some technical difficulties before the show, and I had some time to look through my slabs. I'm going to tell you what I bought them for, and you should tell, you're going to tell me if I should buy or sell them, okay? That sound good? Okay, I'll give it a try. Yeah, give it a try. Okay, so I'm going to hold these up for the YouTubers. We've got a 2018 PSA 10 Josh Allen that I bought for $75 that's now selling for $250. What are your thoughts on Josh Allen? Okay, yeah, we, we went over this one before, and I told you I, I don't like Josh Allen, or I didn't like Josh Allen um, coming out of college. I just didn't, I didn't like his accuracy. It just wasn't good. I don't know how a quarterback would survive. I don't know why a team would spend that high of draft capital on a guy with like 50% per, uh, percentage on passing. Like It just didn't make any sense to me. But he can just throw the ball really far, you know, whoop-de-doo. Uh, so <laughs> he did show this past year in fantasy that his legs are, are what can drive his offense. And playing in a really cold environment, his legs, he is going to need the, to use them a lot more because the ball is going to get harder. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be more difficult to throw. 
in that cold environment in Buffalo. So I would sell him at the price he is right now. Uh, that's that seems a lot for a guy that that still hasn't really figured out his accuracy and just run the ball because teams do figure you out and they're going to they're going to figure him out. They're going to try to make him make those tough throws, and I I just don't like him. So yeah, and I think people are buying him right now because Tom Brady's out of the division and they added Diggs and. I think the jury is still out a little bit. So I think to me, I think you've enticed me to sell it. I don't want to be too greedy, especially since I bought it for 75 and now it's gone for 250. My way of thinking, when I see the price I could sell a card for, I'd look at the value and I say, okay, what other players in other sports or the same sport can I buy for this, this much? Yeah. Can I get a player with more potential? Can I get a lot of that player with more potential? It, and I think you can definitely get some better cards than uh, just a base Josh Allen prism. So PSA totally, 10. So. Totally. And same mindset. I'm trying to do some clearance so I can buy some cards of players that I really like and really believe in, like a LeBron James. Next one here is a BGS 9.5 Prism Hyper Kyle Kuzma card. Okay. Um, so I bought this card for $70. And I bought it because I was like, it was all the Lakers train. Like if the Lakers win the championship, this card's going to go up. I've noticed the Kuzma markets up. The, this card I think is maybe doubled in price. What are your thoughts on Kyle Kuzma in this card? So when it comes to investing in, in like the third or fourth players on teams, uh, I take myself back to a year ago where you wanted to invest in the guy on that team. You didn't, I mean, maybe you would get that second option guy if he was really good, but you want the guy. With Kyle Kuzma, he is going to be playing soon, so I would hold on just to see. They're going to be in the playoffs. That's a given, but I wouldn't wait until the finals. If they're playing really well and he has just a stretch where he dunks on a guy or hits a bunch of threes, I'd put it up then Mm -hmm. uh, in the playoffs. I wouldn't wait just hoping for a championship because the championship's going for the Lakers is going to boost LeBron and Anthony Davis. Kuzma is not going to be much unless he does something crazy to help win that championship. Like a game winner or something. Right, yeah. So I... I, but why would Kyle Kuzma be shooting the game winner when you've got LeBron and Anthony Davis? LeBron does like to pass the ball near the end. So we'll... (laughs) But yeah, I would definitely wait until he, he has some big stretch in the playoffs. In this market, all they need to do is something for like two possessions, like maybe a steal and a dunk and prices. People are going to eBay and buying it all up. So totally. I would definitely wait for that with Kyle Kuzma. Okay, final one. And this guy is the guy on his team. And it is a guy that's about to play and a guy whose cards have gone up like an absurd amount over the last several months, but this is a optic shock PSA nine Jason Tatum. Oh man. Did I sell that to you? (laughs) (laughs) I bought this early from somebody in discord. So it could have been you. (laughs) I sold one of those back in March when I thought March we were prices were hitting like they're high. I was like, okay, I'm going to sell this. I sold it for like, I think like $35 or something like that. It wasn't much where it is now, but I love Tatum. I actually, uh, with all-star game in Charlotte last year, 
Jason Tatum was playing horse with a bunch of people and he was doing like a free throw uh, competition. How many free throws could you make in 30 seconds? So he made 16 in 30 seconds. I gave it a shot. I made nine. I was the highest out of all the pedestrians. <laughs> but I, I really like Jason Tatum. Uh, he, he just being around him, I could sense for a young kid, he was very mature uh, for his age. And that's just things that you get going to live games. You can see what they're doing off the camera. Like during the commercial time, you can see how they're reacting and huddles and stuff like that. And Jason Tatum's very mature. I think part of that's Brad Stevens. And even though he's really young, he's just one of the best coaches in the league. And I would definitely hold that hoping for a championship. And if it doesn't happen this year, there's always next year. And then the year after that, Jason Tatum's definitely a long-term hold for me. Yeah, I think, man, I've talked about just, I love this Boston. So it pains me to say I love anything from Boston, but this Boston Celtics team, obviously there's the Indiana, the Indiana connection with uh, Brad Stevens, who I've mentioned on the show. He's actually went to the college I went to and he was in my fraternity. So we're kind of fraternity brothers in a way, distant, but we're fraternity brothers. But he's just a great coach. The Celtics, I mean, the team's loaded. He's the guy. I think they could, if anybody's going to take down Giannis, it's going to be this team. But yeah, I agree. He seems like one of those guys that he's not as flashy as, you know, Zion or Jao or, you know, Luke or whatever. But the hobby's certainly giving him the respect that I think we both think he deserves at this point with the value of his card. So he's a guy I think I am, along with everyone else listening, excited to watch him step on the court in the bubble here this week. Yeah, when when he dunked on LeBron that year, like (laughs) all of Cleveland, like we felt that. Like that was, we were like, who is this kid? Like we thought it was going to be Jalen Brown, who was the, the guy for the Celtics. And then Tatum comes out of nowhere and, pushes us all the way to a game seven and we're like we're supposed to beat these guys what is going on and he just dunks on LeBron and we were like I got nervous I was like oh no we're not gonna make to the finals this kid's just really good so I I do really like Jason Tatum and as far as the Celtics and me living in Charlotte we haven't seen playoff Kimba yet if we saw him you know what he did in college we're gonna get playoff Kimba and I don't know what kind of Kimba that is. Hopefully it's like he was in college, but he has that killer instinct. And you match that with the, one of the best coaches and then all this young talent, like watch out for the Celtics. There's a lot to like in Boston. And I think you're maybe calling back to Connecticut winning the Big East championship out of nowhere in Madison Square Garden and taking that momentum and winning the national championship. And that's what Kimba Walker did. and. Man, yeah, it's crazy. You almost forget about Kimba Walker. But back to Tatum, I think last year the Pacers got bounced by the Celtics in the playoffs. Kyrie leading the charge on their team. And it was like, my focus was like, all right, we got to find a way to stop Kyrie. But it was like every time Jason Tatum touched the ball and put the ball up, it went through the net. And I was like, this kid is unstoppable. Like the way he hits the mid-range jumper and finds a shot, it, I hate to do it, but like it really reminds me of Kobe Bryant at that age and how he scores the basketball. And I think he's one of those guys that I think the hobby can rally around. I'm rallying around. So I think you've talked me out. I've got a few Tatum's cards that were certainly off the table that I weren't, wasn't going to sell. But the fact that this one was a nine, I was thinking about it, but I think you've convinced me to hold and I'm getting excited talking about it. So awesome, man. I, I, I probably, uh, I should have kept the one that I sold. I just, 
Yeah, the market's been so crazy lately. You know, you'd think with no sports, uh, prices would be down, but no, here we are. Yeah, what is the final thing you basically you want to leave the audience with just in terms of sports are coming back, a lot's going on in the hobby, the market's changing, we don't know what's going to happen two weeks, three weeks from now. What's some advice that you can give the hobby in closing? Always first piece of advice, don't pay for picks. We'll leave it at that. First piece of advice, don't pay for picks. If you need picks, just come in and message me. I've had people message me all the time and they're like, should I buy this card? And I'm like, I, do you like him? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, then buy it. <laughs> like, don't ask me. Like, just because I have analytics in my title and just because I've done this for a while, I could be wrong. But, you know, if you stick to your gut, stick to your intuition, do your research. I know a lot of guys just say, do your research, but I hope. This conversation has helped you understand how to do some of your research. Also check out a sports card investigator. He put out a video. He filmed it for five days. It's like an entire movie about doing your own research and not just listening to picks because I hear these guys talk about players and I try my best when I talk about a player. I want to talk about his talent and what I see in him. And I don't want to just use buzzwords like he's got swag. This guy's hot right now. He's cheap. Buy him because he's cheap. Like none of that stuff helps you. So do your own research and and try to find the people who are doing their own research and creating content and and stick to to listening to them. That's my going out. Yeah, so. no, I think that's good. And I get those messages all the time. I think it's, yeah, we have a platform and we're creating content, but I always like to remind people, you know, I'm just like you. I don't have any behind the scenes information or anything. I'm just spending time and knowledge on what I love and that sports and it translates into sports cards. And I think, I hope that I think we accomplish this, but it, to me, most of these types of conversations, they're the best conversations in the hobby when they're about sports and then the cards come secondary. And I think that's what we tried to do today is just have a conversation about sports and then cards were a part of it. So I hope you all enjoyed this episode. Jordan and I will have definitely enjoyed, I've enjoyed getting to know you and your work in the hobby and what you're focused on. Definitely everyone, if you're listening to this on the podcast, go find Sport Card Analytics, hit the subscribe button. If you haven't subscribed already to Stacking Slabs, what are you doing? Hit that subscribe button. And definitely if you're watching this on Jordan's channel, go check out my podcast. And we just like to tell it how it is and through our experiences. And that's why I've enjoyed getting to know Jordan. And I believe in the content that he's creating. So Jordan, on a Sunday, as we record this, I appreciate the time and hopefully we can do more of this. Yeah, man. It sounds awesome. And I'd love to have you just on my show, just some of the comedy stuff where it's not just on stacking slabs and the audio. And, and also, you know, get all these content creators together to have a big conversation. Because I know Andy, sports card investigator, he wants to do something. And if you guys haven't uh, uh, checked out Chris, the sports card PT, he's putting out great information about player injuries and how it's going to affect them in the future. I've done one episode with him, but he's got content just always coming out about these injuries. And it definitely helps with my investments. So I think we should definitely uh, get together and do just one big video and you could put it on your podcast if you wanted to. Definitely. I think that's good. And definitely go check out Chris. Agree. He has a unique take. And also we didn't mention him, but I know he's a guy that you had on your show and 
I appreciate what he's doing, but Chris from Card Ladder House of Jordans is one of those good dudes that you all should be following. And if you're not on Card Ladder, get in line and wait. It's one of the best things that the hobby has produced in a long time, and I'm in it every day and really appreciate it. All right, man, take it easy. Thanks, everyone, for listening. 